0: Welcome, welcome lovely listeners, to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and joining me are two fellows who did not have devastating lower leg injuries on a turf field in an MLS stadium this week. First of all, in our Southern Illinois studios, our producer, Mason. Say hello, Mason.
1: i can never tell if you're going to introduce us in a bunch or not so i just wait and then it makes me look very stupid (laughs) (laughs) this better this bit better stay in the show that's all i'm saying (laughs) my plan is
0: working (laughs) and also joining us from a cave somewhere in the rural part of west st louis county it's sean campbell and how are you today sean
2: I am finally recovering from the long weekend I spent in Tulsa, but I'm back and I'm ready to podcast. How was it in Tulsa? Run any
0: tornadoes there in Oklahoma? No, but it was hot. Hot. Like it's hot in here now. Some much welcome warmth, at least from my perspective on this, but enough silliness. Cause we got a big, 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 big show this week. Uh, big news. Uh, The club, St. Louis City SC, uh, their official podcast called The City Voice, did drop, uh, not on the app, but out on uh, podcatchers, like uh, we got it off of uh, Apple. Lutz Feinenstiel was the uh, guest with uh, Peter Wood hosting, and a lot of information, I mean, Lutz really when he gets a chance to tell us something he tells us a bunch in a short amount of time so we'll do what we do to kind of cut it down for you if you don't want to listen to the whole show though probably many of you that are listening to us are probably going to listen to it in its full entirety uh Lute had a lot to talk about talk about the philosophy of the team vertical integration had some breaking news on the academy things to say about city two and uh And also had a lot to talk about how hard they are working and how, especially he and Bradley Carnell are working a lot, a lot of hours a day. So apparently they're not as fully staffed as we might imagine, or perhaps this is the way it'll be. It's just very busy time for them trying to build a club, which I imagine takes a little bit of work unless you're like Charlotte that waits the last minute, then becomes a lot of work in a short amount of time. Uh, One of the things Lutz did say about uh, working so hard is that uh, when it comes to looking at who to sign players for the club, he's on the phone 16 hours a day. And a lot of that is, you know, trying to find players, but a lot of it is using his contacts or developing new contacts to find out about prospective players and go really into depth into their personalities. Like he mentioned, are they religious? Are they party animals? They like to stay at home, like to find out about... You know, there's surrounding cast, the family and friends, to make sure that it all fits into the culture of the kind of player they want. Hard-working, hungry, uh, and ready to uh, really fit in and not be a trouble in the uh, locker room. He also warns us, don't look out for any big-name signings. He does this over and over and over again. Very specific on the type of player that he wants. Gotta be fit. Got to be looking for younger players, uh, hungry, ready to go out and work every day. One of the, He also talked a bit about some of the signings that they've already done for the club. Lutz did have a high praise for Thomas Ostrack, who is coming in from Kohn in the Bundesliga. He said that Kohn was, uh, you know, really unhappy to lose him, but uh, they did. They weren't playing him. He is 22 years old and rated a very high talent in the Bundesliga. Kohn plays a very aggressive uh, pressing style as well. And I have read a lot of information coming out of Europe that, uh, they cannot believe that Thomas Ostrach has escaped the Bundesliga to come to MLS. He is considered to be uh, someone with a very bright future ahead of him and looking forward to see him play. He also gave us some information on, uh, perhaps their highest profile signing, uh, former Dortmund goalkeeper Roman Berkey. uh, He said that Berkey had his opportunities to be a backup even at, you know, Bayern, but that's not what he wanted. He wanted a starting spot. He's really younger than I thought. He's only 31, and in goalkeeper ages, that's pretty much fairly young or in the prime. Says, uh, Lutz found him to still be very hungry to get his starting position back, ready to play, and that Berkey was very excited about the St. Louis City project, especially fired up by the club's plans and its style. So that's good to hear. Uh, Lutz also said that uh, part of the key to the signing was how comfortable Berkey is at his feet, so look for a lot of playing out of the back. We've seen that with City 2, we've seen it with the Academy, so that's not a surprise.
1: Yeah, one like this kind of seemed like a throwaway point um, on on their show, but it it kind of speaks to something where Peter Wood said that, like, well, you know, when you're looking at a goalkeeper, because I know you want that high pressing style, but the goalkeeper can't really press. And Lutz was very quick to be. No, we want a pressing goalkeeper, too. They are the first attacker. So you know, that seemed like almost like a throwaway comment, but that's exactly what he's talking about is is getting that play out of the back, I think, and, and also being accurate on stretch passes as well if you're going to be pressing forward very much.
0: Yeah, sort of the sweeper-keeper that really came out of Germany, Manuel Neuer, being always the first one you look at for such a style of goalkeeper. And uh, also with the press, you know, the goalkeeper is there to help organize uh, the press against it and be that... Uh, that safety net as well to be in the right position. When you know what a press is coming, you can't just stick an ordinary goalkeeper into that system and have them know exactly what's going to happen, especially
1: uh, if you're, if it doesn't work (laughs) (laughs) on the field of soccer, there is one quarterback and his name is the goalie. (laughs) Don't forget another important
2: piece of having that high pressing keeper is they're going to be prone to coming out and aggressively attacking on the when the other team's on the counter so say it's a you know a two-on-one you've got your your one center back back the keeper might come out and challenge the guy very aggressively very far out off his line sometimes even outside of the box when you might think oh no don't do that but if it's someone that's played that style for a long time and knows what he's doing I, I have full faith in him to you know play that that high press, even outside the box as the keeper, it helps keep that defensive line high and really compacts the game. And as long as you've got you know good midfielders, you can really pick through the spaces while the other teams just clogged up and can't get anything going.
0: Yeah, if you watched a lot of this style of play, you'll notice that goalkeepers will get burned by doing this—the this sweeper keeper style of coming out aggressively. But more often than not, they're able to cut down the distances, cut down the angles, maybe even get to the ball first. Uh, And uh, more often than not, they are actually breaking up scoring chances more than uh, giving them up. And by a wide enough berth that it's well worthwhile if you've got someone that can effectively do that. Uh, Lutz also, speaking of defense and the spine of the team, he intimated that they will soon be announcing a defense, uh, defender signing to the club. It's kind of an open secret. Yeah, that, who uh,
1: could it be? Who could it be? Could it it's be me. From it's the... me. It's me. It's <laughs> me. I'm coming it. out of retirement.
0: <laughs> yeah, That's a big breaking news. Yeah. It's <laughs> Sean Campbell coming from <laughs> Armenia Bielfeld. No, no, I take it back. It's actually Nielsen. Nilsson. Uh, strong reports coming out that now that the season's over, Bielfeld looks like they're going down. Uh, The signing is announced uh, or at least been leaked and will be announced soon. So that's the big open secret. Of course, any reporter will tell you, no matter how strong the reports are, before it's announced, before the signing is done, uh, anything can fall apart.
1: And this is what we said a couple of months ago when it first was like an open secret as well, that they had agreed to this transfer, but it was supposed to be kept like hush hush was, well, anything could happen, and anything still could happen. It has not been announced, but it's basically a done deal from all reports.
0: Lutz also talked about Jao Klaus, uh, the striker. Uh, Lutz, of course, signed him when he came out of Brazil into Germany and said he kept trying to sign him as uh, Lutz moved around to teams, and uh, uh, he was just too expensive. He says Klaus learned at Hoffenheim, so he's very familiar with this system. Uh, did mention that uh, Roberto Famino of Liverpool also was noted as learning this type of style at Hoffenheim. And he also mentioned that Klaus, he's expecting him to score in MLS, but says one of the other things he's good at, he's a good pressing striker, which is, of course, very important for the preferred style of play. He's also very good at being one of those strikers that knows how to play his, play in other players for their chances to score, which uh, is often forgot of as a very important part of a striker. Everybody looks how many goals they score, but how do they set up the entire attack and uh, use their movements to
1: get other people open in various areas to score a goal? Yeah because you can play you can play a striker position unselfishly and what that does is that opens up other players to score. You don't have to be the only scorer up front.
2: But but at the same time you have to be selfish enough that you draw the defenders away to provide the space for the other attacking players to then mm-hmm. lay the ball off to them and
1: put the put the balls in the net. Yeah, you still have to be lethal. You have to represent a threat otherwise no one's going to fall for the bait. And uh for a point of example
0: uh, the later on in qualify world cup qualifying the use of jesus ferreira as really working as more of a false nine for the u.s men's national team was his movement in the box uh, and uh, berhalter really liked that for the system it gives you an idea of kind of uh what that movement means to uh the attack as for hiring and staff talked a slight bit about uh, how important uh not just collecting data is on players, but uh, analyzing it and how to use it and how big numbers don't necessarily tell the whole story. It's what the usefulness is of those numbers and uh, how they are right now in the process of hiring a full data staff, which will be used because, as Luce says, I'm not a data scientist, nor is John Hackworth or Bradley Carnell. So it's an important part Not every MLS team is really fully invested in this, but the ones that uh, know how what's going on in world football and are ambitious are hiring uh, robust staffs in in data analysis and uh, uh, data science.
1: Sabermetrics comes for us all.
0: Yeah. Says that uh, Bradley Carnell... Uh, Peter Wood asked him, Is people said it's kind of a risk hiring an assistant coach. He says, no, after watching, we he was our number one choice. We, I don't think it's a risk at all. And watching him work, he's very comfortable. Uh, he said that uh, being prodded, there's a very much a family atmosphere that they're building. He talked about the Taylor family, how everything's, you know, that starts it off from the bottom, top to the bottom. Tells you a lot about the culture in the club. Also tells you about a club culture that probably fits in very well into the St. Louis region and this area of, of the country. He also was asked about comparisons to other teams' style. He mentioned Leeds, first off, gave a mention to, you know, Carnell's former team, Red Bull's New York and Hoffenheim as well, but says ultimately comes down to it's going to be the St. Louis City style.
1: Yeah, which I think is correct. Um, we've been we've been calling them comparisons. Lutz called them called it benchmarking, which I think is more accurate. We are not expecting to play exactly like Leeds, exactly like Red Bulls, but we are expecting a similar type of game, and we've always said that. But it can get misinterpreted as oh, you're going to play exactly like Red Bull. It's like no, I don't think we are. No, I don't think so either. Uh,
0: also, in a self promoting style of, of uh, sort of way. If you are going to listen, if you're not going to listen to the full podcast, we encourage you to go about 55 minutes and 30 seconds in as uh, we got a question in to Lutz during this podcast. Pleased to be chosen for such a thing. And uh, in response to the question, Lutz says he's very, very excited to be uh, included into the League's Cup, the full League's Cup between MLS and Liga MX East Clubs next year in 2023. In the first year, he thinks that uh, such high-level competition is essential to what they want to do and that they're very much aiming to get involved in the CONCACAF Champions League as soon as
1: possible. And and since you didn't say what it was, the question was: Is Lutz looking forward to competing in League's Cup or not? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I was hoping somebody might just
0: search that out if they're really concerned. Uh, Mention how uh, for another fan question. Mention how uh, he was asked about how if any St. Louis like veteran players that are out there might be brought in for the club. He kind of hedged on that. They don't. A lot of them that are overseas don't really fit into the style or the age demographic, frankly, of what they're trying to do. He did mention, however, that he's very open to having them come into the club in some sort of organizational role, and how that history and that veteran leadership would really help the club. So that's more of something to look forward to rather than seeing them signed as players. And uh, I think the first name that comes to mind of what people are talking about is Tim Ream. Will Bruins, another one that pops up. Uh, etc. Also, one other fan question came in from uh in St. Louis Soccer, the ubiquitous Matt Baker. Uh, and Lutz says, Don't expect any of the new MLS signings from Europe to jump off of the plane or the bus and hit the training ground and get time to see him in July in uh City 2 play, as it's been bantered around quite a bit, including by us. Uh that uh, they're coming off a holiday. They need to get settled in the city. He's going to give them time for that. They need to go through their own preseason training, which more than likely will be with City 2. So that'll give them some reps with their teammates and possible future teammates next year. Uh, and then have them work into City 2. So don't expect them to just come in and push the City 2 players out. He's very... Beholden to the idea of uh, City 2 being a development team uh, and going to continue with that. But, you know, the idea of having them come in and work with who possibly is coming up and the idea of the vertical integration of the style of play
1: being from top to bottom, uh, that fits in as well. Yeah, but I mean, we, we all have questions about this, right? Or we at least did. We've got an answer now. But were, were those signings going to come in and hit the ground running right away with City 2 or not? And the answer we have now is no. Expectati- expectations
0: of such uh, were probably wishful thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just completed a season. They don't have to go straight into a starting lineup for the first team. It's probably very important to get them settled in the city with their families and housing and the whatnot, which is always important.
2: Oh, yeah. I, I definitely fully expected them to, to show up and take some time to themselves, actually get acquainted with the city, um, come to training as often as the coach asked them to. I did not expect them to just jump off plane, jump right on the pitch and then, you know, start making an immediate impact. And even when they do start seeing playing time after actually having, I guess, their own little preseason, as we're calling it, um, don't expect a, an immediate impact either. Uh, We saw how long it took Shakiri to to get up to speed this year for Chicago Fire, and um, I think a lot of people thought he was going to come in and immediately change the game, and I think we might see that with Toronto FC, but we're getting too far into that. Um, But no, they're definitely going to take time, get get acquainted with the city, get acquainted with the training grounds, acquainted with their fellow teammates. And then once, you know, Hackworth decides they're ready to to gel, he'll probably start easing them in minute-wise. I guess the question is more so timetable on how long is that transition going to take. Yeah, and
0: also how are they going to fit in? Do they all come in at once, or are they going to be worked in? I expect them to be worked in, not all come in, unless unless they're getting to like playoff line or something, and then competitive nature might take over. And
1: Hackworth likes to win. Let's put it <laughs> bluntly, which is nice. I, I I also like I also like for my team to win. Yeah, I, um, I, if you're if you're in the game, you're you're trying to win. Yeah, it's. Just a blanket statement. Yeah, but then like another side of like wishful thinking here was that we like, you know, even when they did finally hit the pitch, whether it was right away or after after a little uh, training that they were going to come in and make a huge impact. And I don't necessarily think that's true either. I, they're good quality players, but there's a lot of good quality MLS level talent in these two teams as well. And going back to the Sean's comments about uh, Shakiri.
0: And how it took him to get up to speed. Lutz did mention how he expects, you know, MLS to grow even on a higher uh, echelon of top leagues in the world. And players like Shakiri that everybody expects to come over from the, uh, as some people might think of it, the magic pill of just having played in Europe. And then dominate in the domestic league. There's a lot goes on in the domestic league and they don't always come in and dominate. Often from Europe, they don't. It's South American players that uh, get more acquainted more quickly that we see than those coming from Europe. It so goes back
2: to the cigar comment.
0: It kind of does. And that's, he didn't mention it by name, but when he talked about the type of players he'll be signing, it won't be somebody that comes over, uh, makes headlines, but jogs for, you know, 600 minutes a game and only is able to score a couple
1: of goals. Yeah. I mean he talked about he talked about losing the retirement league identity league wide and things like that and I think that he definitely wants to avoid that you can tell from you know the players that he's scouted and signed that these are guys that want to win still they're not just looking to get a paycheck and really that
0: retirement league has in fact gone away it just holds out in certain top level leagues across Europe especially with the media in Europe, and especially with the media in England. Uh, been enough comeuppance of players coming over. They're not ready to grind on this. Uh, they get washed out pretty quickly. Uh, and you're starting to see more and more players in Europe that maybe want a chance to come to MLS, perhaps see their playing time in the future, because it's going so young with all the teams, trying to get younger or cheaper players in that people, good players are being pushed out of positions younger and younger. Uh, they're looking more and more coming over the ML, to MLS. One, it's a very professionally run league that <laughs> they get paid. Uh, the quality, when they look into it, they're surprised at how high the quality is. Uh, so you're seeing more and more of that. And, and plus the academies have really lev- raised the level of play of the domestic players to fit in with uh, more talented or... Uh, better trained in their younger lives, uh, compared to way it used to be just a few years ago in MLS, uh, they, they're finding the quality of their teammates to be much higher in MLS. Nah, that's not a surprise to anybody that's paying attention. Perhaps the biggest naysayers are the own own uh, Eurocentric uh, minded uh, f- soccer fans in the U.S. are probably the most hesitant to look upon the developments in MLS of anybody in the world. Certainly uh, when it comes to signings and finding talent, the clubs themselves and sporting directors and scouts fully well know about MLS. And that's why you're seeing Liga Amakis and South American uh, players trying to come to MLS because they know that those clubs are looking to MLS to find uh, to find players, quite frankly, That they can exploit, get cheap, get young, and get them over to Europe. And that's the wave we've been seeing since Alfonso Davies and Christian Pulisic broke out in Europe. That's a lot about what Lutz had to say about the main club and the franchise itself for St. Louis City SC. He had more to say, and uh, we'll break that down as we go through, but I wanted to bring up uh, a little information and uh, hit more closely upon uh, the MLS Next Pro uh, team. St. Louis City 2. Uh, producer Mason and I, we did make it uh to the game this past weekend against uh Whitecaps 2 coming in from Vancouver and uh made it to the tailgate to the game. And uh what's some of your takeaways from that, Mason?
1: Uh <laughs> I I'm uh I'm out of shape cuz uh, cause, uh whew, I got pretty gassed being in that uh in the supporter section. <laughs> It's. I can really tell it's been a while since I've been to a concert because I thought, oh yeah, you know, I've I've been I've been in pits. What's what's a supporter section, but a pit. It's been a while since I've been in a pit too. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of uh, clapping, a lot of movement,
0: and a lot of shouting. I, of course, have been sick recently, and uh, there was a few times, uh, especially in each half, where I just had to take a seat uh, to get through it. But all the way through the game, and did well on that. Uh, for those who have not been to a game, as I had not, nor Mason, uh, as we did a march from the tailgate, and it wasn't just the Lul- the St. Luligans that were there, you know, the Thieves had a presence, uh, No Nap City Supporters Group had a presence, and the STL Punks were there, uh, and we all did a combined march out of the uh, parking garage where the tailgate was, uh, which worked pretty well actually and uh led to the stadium as we're out there there were certain people with show up make noise uh, another group uh who had uh QR signs held up so you could take a picture with your phone and get to a website that listed all of the chants, the words, etc., which was quite helpful. And uh something that uh, people who are new and want to come out and, but wonder how they're gonna fit in. Uh, it, it's very much geared to helping everybody fit in. It was great being there, seeing so many, so many friends, made some new friends, uh, was really impressed uh, with some of the other supporter groups, got to meet with uh, No Nap City, which is a supporter group geared towards uh, families with small children. I know Mason was impressed with what they were doing.
1: Yeah, I really like the idea that they've got um, to get families in, um, but especially because, like, we aren't especially rowdy, but we can get rowdy. And so to get families in and be like, Hey, look, you can also be chill. And like, you know, and here's a space for your kids where your kids can play and watch the game and have fun and stuff like that. Um, And uh, not, not only to keep the kids safe, but also let the parents not have to worry about them when they're at a game, if they want to get involved as well. I really like the idea that they've got.
0: Yeah. And, uh, the punks also had their table up there they're very much in entwined with mental health issues which you know most people out there including some of us have had real issues with mental health in the past but it affects everyone either directly or indirectly because of family and friends it affects almost everyone uh kudos to them yeah. plus i like uh their
1: style yeah me, <laughs> me too surprising to nobody but um, yeah, I saw they had stuff out for Hope for the Day. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know about that organization. They were like, yeah, I saw it on a merch table at a show once. And I was like, that's exactly where I saw them too. <laughs> and uh, the thieves, they're there to support uh, underrepresented groups. Marginalized people. Nah, so, that's a good yeah. way of putting it. Um, women, queer people, homeless folks. Um, yeah, the thieves do a lot of fantastic work, especially with... Uh, community outreach. Yes. Organizing to get, um, food supplies stuff to homeless people. They've got, they just did a fundraising thing. I don't know if it's still going on. You might want to check out I their Twitter. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they've got an Amazon wish list up and then I think that they are doing, um, another round of bagging and handing out pretty soon. So if you want to get involved and do some, some really good work for people who need help, check, check that out. And also, Sarah, uh, on the Council with the Thieves, uh,
0: had recently put out a article uh, about uh, the challenges of women uh, and trying to fit in into a soccer culture and sort of the small things that they have met with misogyny. And that I highly encourage everyone to check out as well. Mm-hmm. And, of course, don't want to miss the show up, make noise, boys, who basically bring the sounds, the drums, the sounds for us. And basically it's all summed up with their, uh, their catchphrase show up, make noise, have fun. Yeah. Kudos to them.
1: The, the drum corps was great at the game. Um, they did a great job with, uh, copoing and, um, the, the drums were fantastic. It was a great time. And, uh, those were the, uh, supporters groups that were there. There's other supporter groups out there.
0: Not always some that we're that familiar with. And, uh, If you have a supporters group that you want us to be aware of, because we're going to take time to uh, uh, explore these in more in depth in the future, uh, you can go ahead, uh, if you're with a supporters group, you can hit us up at Soccer Capital on Twitter, or email us at SoccerCapital at gmail.com. As for the game itself, well, you know, when you get a bunch of like-minded people coming to a game as supporters groups, there's a bit of a party atmosphere. It's a lot of fun and very inclusive. So if, you, if you're a listener that's never been to one of these, you're going to find friends somewhere amongst there. Uh, everybody's, a lot of people tend to, uh, especially they're there, reach out, find a face, and introduce themselves. Not always brand new people, just people have met. Happened a lot. But for the games itself, ended up being a, Rather disappointing at the end after being rather enjoyable for most of the
1: show. Yeah, it was a, a tough result, I think is how I put it. Because we ended up losing 2-1 on some real tough goals in the late in the second half.
0: Yeah, it was a very strong showing in the first half. Uh, the goal for uh, City 2 came from... Uh, Kwamea Wuab put in a great cross. Josh Doling, keeping his form going uh, from the trip to RSL, was able to head it home. Got that first goal. They created a lot of chances, but the final pass or the finishing wasn't there. After the game, post-match, uh, John Hackworth lamented how they blew their chances to really stretch the lead out and keep uh, the Whitecaps, too, in the game. And that was important because... Even after the half, uh, City Two came out and was still pretty dominant in the game. They really controlled the game for, I would say, most I, of it. Yeah, <laughs>
1: about three quarters. Yeah, uh,
0: but they got a Roberto Antonio goal in the seventy-sixth minute, and that's what we've seen released from yeah City Two <laughs> from City from uh, Fop Mob. but on the Whitecaps official. Website, they've got the player listed uh, that scored as Owen Antoniuk, and on MLS Next Pro they have it as
1: Robert Antoniuk. Antonia. Yeah, so we've got we've got uh, a man with three names here. Yeah, I scored think we this have role. an infiltrator. <laughs> Somebody needs to vet this guy again.
0: <laughs> have we got a ringer being brought in? You know, like often happens in Little League World uh, Series when they bring in a fourteen-year-old to play with a twelve-year-old.
2: Got oh, no, 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 no. I'm Sorry. thinking of that scene from Benchwarmers when they go up to the pitcher and they ask to see his birth certificate. It's just a picture of him and it's just in crayon written, I am 12. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm... That's what it is here.
1: <laughs> I have no official aliases. <laughs> and then uh, the Whitecaps
0: grab the late uh, winning goal uh, via the wonderfully named Emiliano Brescia. Uh who scored from a free kick so deep in the corner from across the pitch in the stands, I myself and a lot of people around thought it was actually an Olympico from a corner.
1: It was quite a free kick. It was from a tough, tough angle. I also thought it was an Olympico. It really looked like one from where we were sitting.
0: And for those that don't know, an Olympico is uh, scoring a goal directly from a corner without any other players uh, getting involved. And This was so deep it looked like that from a really, really rough angle. Uh, so hard pressed city two showed, well, didn't have the finishing touch, uh, something for them to develop. I've said it for the last few weeks. Uh, That's part of what the league's all about. Uh, they'll get a chance, a very tough loss. Uh, John Hackworth talked about after the game, they've got a bye week chance for them to rest up. They've been traveling a bit and, uh, they can regroup and heading to the next game. And when is that next game, Mason?
1: Next game is on May 22nd against Timbers 2. Uh, this will be the first game at Ralph Court Stadium on the SIUE campus. And this is another really good bounce back opportunity because, much like the Real Monarchs, Timbers 2 are not good. Uh, they are 0 2 4 through their first six games. So this is. A, At home, against a team that's not in form, this is another great bounce-back opportunity for us.
0: And then uh, after that, uh, the Sunday of uh, Memorial Day weekend, they'll be back for the last game at Herman Stadium at St. Louis University. Uh, We have, uh, at least Mason and I, have uh, tickets to go to that game. Uh, So we hope to see you all there. That's on the 29th. That'll be against the Quakes, too. No information if their are Team Chaos in the development league like they are in MLS. But if they are, that'd be fun. But still want to win for City 2. Going back to what Lutz had to say on the City Voice podcast, he had some uh, things to say about City 2 and MLS Next Pro. And uh, I found fascinating is Lutz said they had three months to start from scratch, ground zero, to get this team together. And if you think about it, In all of MLS, Next Pro, everybody else generally had their own USL 2 team or uh, Rochester starting up as well. So they had to start from scratch as well. But uh, generally, it sounds like when we first got the report out of the Athletic uh, about some of the roster rules for Next Pro, uh, and in that report, they said some of the information leaked out. That's pretty much when City really got started trying to accumulate players cuz they didn't have a really codified roster rules then so it's kind of hard to get it. So considering how well they're playing and realize that this team started from scratch, you know, some academy players but pretty much getting new professionals etc just uh, 3 months for the real season started is very impressive and tells you something about the talent that they've accumulated on the team and the coaching talent that's been accumulated. Lutz also had something to say, mentioned the Reiterated, as he always have from day one about the vertical integration, of the style of play and philosophy. He's quite happy. with City two was very happy with the way that they held up at in the u s. Open Cup against Louisville City, of course, Louisville City being USL championship team and a powerhouse in USL championship and how they were able to hold on, even though they weren't they got stuck in, as he says and pushed back by a little bit, holding out all the way to penalty kicks, which were impressive and long and ultimately futile. But uh, he said he was very, very impressed with City 2. We got a, a lot of heart, and everybody else out there probably will, especially those that have been to the games. Lutz had big praise for the energy that the supporters bring to the City 2 team. Not just the first game sellout, but after and over and over and over at these games. After this last game, uh, uh, Hackworth also brought that up in his uh, post-game interview, which you can see on the uh, City app. He talked about how the energy that the supporters bring and how they stay. And, you know, he could barely hear him in the interview because the supporters were still there. We were also there uh, very heartened by seeing the group of kids standing behind the Capos doing their own Capo work. And I know the Capos liked it too. So that's great. That is great. And speaking of MLS Next Pro, Lutz did go on about how important being in this league now was to him. It's not, it is a lot about the development of players in the system and getting, you know, Similar type competition, but also they're learning a lot about logistics in the travel. He mentioned specifically how long it takes to get from, say, an airport to a hotel to the training facility or a stadium. Uh, The players mentioned why they got tired at the end of the game against Real Monarchs. Well, they're at elevation, so learning about that, you know, going from as they did earlier, going from the cold in St. Louis to someplace like Dallas and having to deal with climate change that uh, is always a part of MLS. And how important that is for staff and the franchise as well as the players. Lutz is also excited to move into the training facility. He's looking forward to when that happens a little later in the uh, summer. And uh, he said it's his baby. He put a lot of thought ahead of time, a lot of planning, a lot of work, and trying to make it world-class. Looking at a lot of other training facilities, people that have built them, and he feels that they've got an exceptionally good training facility, and all uh, reports are that it is. Any other thoughts you guys might have over City 2 and the way it's being built, or perhaps what Lutz said?
1: I mean... I think Sean can speak to this as well, but when we went and we watched St. Louis FC uh play the Chicago Fire in the US Open Cup, however many years ago that was, I think that we were both really struck at at the supporters. And it's only gotten bigger since then. So I I'm glad to see that that people in the organization appreciate the passion that the supporters groups bring but i'm not surprised i'm not surprised at all they've always been like this
2: oh yeah 100% um i would i i i mason what you were getting at i think i wouldn't say struck but i would say i respected the absolute hell out of all those fans that showed up um and the amount of fervor they brought to that that supporter section um for that U.S. Open Cup game for STLFC. And like you said, it's only gotten bigger and better. There's more and more people. People are bringing more and more to every game, and it is every game that they're showing up for. And I think a lot of that speaks to just how hungry this town has been for professional soccer for so long. And the fact that we finally get to, we get to actually appease our appetite and we are ravenous for it. And the fact that the show up and make noise crew comes out and leads us in such a great, fantastic way is a testament to just how much this town loves its soccer. And we're ready for the first team to come in and we're bringing it on all levels at this point. And I'm very excited. And I really hope that once that first team comes in, we can keep the keep the strength even at the lower levels, because I know in some places That's the fans don't exactly show up for the two team or for the the U16s. But I I love seeing the excitement. I want to see more of it. And
0: uh, with the supporters group, uh, perhaps St. Luligan's aren't everyone's cup of tea, but they've been at it for years and years and years. They're well developed on how to run a a supporters group, and they're opening with an um, uh, umbrella that helps build everything which is going to be very important day one uh, when the MLS franchise starts play, but also the Development League, City 2, the Academy coming out gives everybody a chance that perhaps is new or not been in there or for the rest of them to get all get on the same page before we hit opening day. And you know, the opening day, especially in the stadium, is going to be on network TV for the MLS coverage, whoever that might be uh and uh it's gonna be an impressive showing uh not just to the viewers at home, but you start to impress the the writers the broadcasters and uh the uh the ones that uh really push it out there uh It's always pleasant to make a good showing to them as it just gives a little more warm comfy feeling to to the coverage, even if it doesn't come out uh if things don't go your way, they're not going to really give you much, but they'll have something to say for the supporters that has worked even with the FC Cincinnati, who's actually almost good now, but their supporters have been fantastic through their struggles.
2: Oh, absolutely. And props to them for getting through it and sticking with it. And now they get to see the fruits of their labor. Um, but at the same time, not not to backtrack too far, but this is just like we said that the you know, when the, when the Europeans come over in the summer, they're going to have their own little preseason before they join the team. Think of this, this year as our preseason as supporters and as fans to get on, like you said, get on that same page, but ramp it up, get our practice in, get our reps in, get our training in. Um, and the fact that we could do it in such a close proximity to City 2, to the U 16s, the 17s, and the, the high five line at the end of the games right now is just, it really makes it feel like they're trying to make the supporters just as much a part of this club as the players and the staff and the coaches and the front office. It's it is a city effort and I love that ethos that's seeping into this team and this culture.
1: Yeah, I know um from uh from Josh Yarrow's Twitter account, he absolutely loves the supporter sections. Uh he really feeds on the on on the energy that we bring as well. So, uh, and I, I think that it's fair to say that that extends to the other players as well.
0: And, uh, the official announcements coming out, Peter Wood bringing it up to Lutz, harping about the supporters support Lutz. John Hackworks said it also bringing it up, uh, this town, this region is hungry, hungry for this. And they're coming out in droves and really supporting what they've got going on now. And that only leads to what will happen next spring when the first team actually hits the pitch and goes out and does things uh moving on now a little bit more city news it's great to have so much to talk about the team this far in advance of their first game and i think i'll have uh mason give us a little rundown of what happened with the academy and then we'll go over what Lutz had to say he had a little bit to say about the academy as well
1: well, what happened with the academy isn't really much. Um the U16s are on a bit of a bye. The U17s went up to Chicago and they dropped their game against the Fire U17s 2 to 1. But uh coming up, the U16s and U17s are going to be going off to Maryland. So uh the the boys are heading off to the Eastern Seaboard. And this week, they're going to be competing in MLS Next Flex group play. Um, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't really know what this tournament is. (laughs) I'm not really sure (laughs) either. I I really tried to find some information on what this tournament is, and I could find nothing about it. Yeah,
0: listeners, we'll we'll (laughs) all
1: learn this together,
0: I guess, as we go forward.
1: Yeah, but um, that is happening this week. Uh, The U16s are competing in Group P, and the U17s are competing in Group D. Fun fact, U-17s are competing in the same group as the Sporting Kansas City U-17s, but for St. Louis City, uh, MLS Next Flex play begins on May the 13th. The U-16s are playing against Cedar Stars Academy, and that is the first action that they are getting in MLS Next Flex, a tournament that I don't know anything about. Something we know a little
0: bit about now. And uh, Mason can bring us up to speed. Lutz had a big announcement regarding the Academy on the show today, didn't he?
1: Yeah. Um, So they've been doing tryouts for uh, U-17s, U-16s. Lutz also talked about tryouts for an upcoming U-15. Um, So we are starting up a U-15 Academy team. Uh, Currently, that is the extent that is planned. U-15s to U-17s. Uh, He said that they are open to U14s, but he said that they were going to kind of follow the rest of the league's lead on that. Kind of, they are open but undecided. Um, But so we've got we've got another tier of academy coming, and we're expanding our youth programs. And Lutz had big praise for
0: the birth years 2007, 2008. Those specific age groups. Which fit into this. And he says scouting around, he's found that the St. Louis region in those particular two years is particularly well uh full of uh high-end talent. Says so perhaps the best talent in that age group in the country. So, you know, that's good to hear. And he also did mention about it uh how they've been playing younger in the academy with a lot of you know 15-year-olds in the U 16s. It, it some of that talk made me think that they're they're not really that big on the u14s but if there's a lot of other clubs out there with them they'll add a team to it especially once the training uh center is up and running and everything's more set that's kind of the gist i got
1: yeah that was that was the
0: vibe so a lot of news about uh city this week uh feel very fortunate that uh Lutz and uh, Peter Wood and the rest of the team decided to go ahead and drop that uh, podcast episode today so we could get it into this week's show. Tip of the cap to them. They're listening. (laughs) (laughs) They know what's important. And also a lot of coverage and, you know, we took about as much time covering what Lutz had to say as he said himself and so when the head of the team is dropping lots, and I do mean a lot, of uh, pearls of wisdom, uh, you've got to pick them up and uh, go ahead and cover them. That's what we do. So that wraps up what we have for St. Louis City this week. Uh, we're going to take a break and uh, come back and talk CONCACAF Champions League, we must, and a little wrap-up of MLS as well. So we'll be back with you very shortly.
1: See you on the other side.
0: Welcome back, lovely listeners, and thanks for your perseverance. Uh, It's time for us to get into more of the league-wide, MLS-focused part of the show. And, of course, the big news this week really has to do with a different league. It's the CONCACAF Champions League. If you've been in a cave like Sean, uh, perhaps you did not know that Seattle did take the trophy, the first MLS team to win the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, LA Galaxy and DC United had won in the previous iteration of the regional championship, but those were all played on uh, U.S. soil, And uh, with not quite as extensive of uh, a league structure. So this is big. And it's the first time in something like 16 years that Mexico has not won uh, the regional championship. Strangely enough, it was Pumas who had lost to Suprice out of of, uh, Costa Rica the last time. And it was Pumas that took it on the chin last Wednesday. When uh, they fell to Seattle in a 3-1 score. Was it 3-1? It was 3-0. 3-0.
1: Yeah, it was it was 5-2 on aggregate. 3-0 on the second leg. I should read my own show notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I perhaps, wrote <laughs> I wrote this section, we can clean but I this up in editing. Yeah, I wrote this section, but I can't help with your reading comprehension. <laughs> it's first no, grade, uh, <laughs> Spongebob. <laughs> Yeah, after after a 2-2 draw um in Mexico City uh on the first lake, Seattle comes comes back for the do-or-die game, and they win 3-0. Yeah, if
0: there had been away goals in the final, like there had been the whole tournament, Seattle would have been really cruising heading into this. Instead, being tied, coming home, uh they were really favored to win, but it wasn't a given, and anything could happen. And it's sure did when very early on in the first half uh the starter knew who got kicked blatantly just blatantly just kicked right across the thigh not even playing the ball yellow card for the mexican player knew who's out replaced at uh defensive back by mls veteran journeyman kellen rowe uh who actually was questionable heading in the game because he had his own injury concerns which we found out I didn't find out till after the game and then even worse at about what was it about 25 minutes in 2025 uh, last year's team MVP and had votes for league MVP Jao Paulo the uh, midfielder who's so crucial to what they do he had a non-contact injury that was later confirmed to be an ACL tier. Looks like he's out for the entire Sounders season. And uh, being the Seattle Death Star, instead of bringing in a veteran MLS journeyman, they bring in a 16-year-old homegrown, Obed Vargas, to replace him in a CONCACAF Champions League second leg of the final.
1: Yeah. And so I'm imagining if that if you've listened this far, you probably also watched this game and you know what happened. But maybe you need a refresher on the timestamps like, Quite frankly, all three of us do. Uh, Even worse for Nuhu, that was in the 11th minute he went Yeah, it was very early And then the 29th for Jao Paolo.
0: And like Stam Staschko of the uh, Athletic, you know, it's almost like if
1: Nuhu's out of this, I don't want to (laughs) watch. I I mean, yeah, especially after Jao Paolo went down, it it was like, well, we we got so close, but we're going to get free-spaced again.
0: And Seattle did take a hit there. You could see them um, really scrambling. That that hurt them mentally. But, you know, they've been in these positions before. They recovered fairly quickly. Looked like it was going into halftime, you know, even up, which would have been, really made the nurse jangly for anyone interest, really interested in MLS winning this. But Raul Ria Diaz uh, was able to get on the end of something, got a fortuitous, and I do mean fortuitous, deflection To get him a goal, I believe in stoppage time of the first half, and make it a 1-0 lead for the Sounders, and really gave everybody hope, because at this point, the Sounders were starting to get back control of the game, and you had a feeling it was going to go on. But it took a little bit of the
1: second half for him to catch up. Yeah, Uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz's first goal is scored at at the 45th minute, but... It felt like at the death of of the first half.
0: It pretty much was pretty close to that. And uh, then in the second half, Pumas had to stretch themselves, go for it. That allowed Seattle to have just an absolutely beautiful counterattacking goal. Uh, eventually ends on the foot of uh, Nicholas Ladero, put it in. Matt Doyle of MLS soccer tweeted out, they should put this in the Louvre. It really was beautiful the way they worked it down the field. And then at the very end, they get another beautiful passage of play on a break. Jordan Morris has his opportunity, had a really nice shot. Great save from the uh, Pumas goalkeeper to put it onto the, uh, the post, but it bounced right back to Ladero. Rídez is right in front of the goal and, uh, I found it funny and also tells you something about the quality of Seattle that Rui Diaz immediately just fell to the ground. That took him out of a chance of being offside and also got him out of the way of Ladero's shot because he knew what was coming. And then after that, he also went over and they were all cheering with the crowd. And a fan <laughs> was had their phone out, taking video, dropped it, shouted out, Ro, Rau, Raul. And Rui Diaz picks up his phone, hands it to him, takes a selfie, gives it back to him. Uh, Seattle's been here before, so them actually being the first ones to actually win CONCACAF Champions League, isn't that surprising because they've worked their way up to it. Uh, They've done it by accumulating veterans, keeping their talent on the same team because of the culture they have, and now they're bringing in homegrowns. They have some spending power. They've used it very wisely. They're not the biggest, freest spenders in the league, uh, but You have to say, over the last few years, even to a sporting KC fan, uh, the ones that have really led the league in what a team can do to dominate in such a parity-driven league is Seattle. Every year since they've been in, they made the playoffs, and every year they made the playoffs, they've been in the top four of their conference.
2: Yeah, definitely kudos to this team. They deserve the trophy every inch of the way. The Death Star, and I just want to say... At the beginning, you know when Paolo goes down, Nuhu goes out. You think you see that exhaust vent, and then second half, you know, going into the second half, Rudy Diaz puts the ball in the net, and it's like, oh wait, there's Saran wrap over it. You can't get through
1: that. It was a trick. It was a trap.
2: <laughs> but
0: they did.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, t- tortured Star Wars metaphor aside. Yeah, it that that first half was treacherous. Um. Those two injuries, especially, especially really bad for Jaballo. But But um, those two injuries, like, well, we got to the doorstep again. But, you know, it's happened to us before. The doorstep's the closest we're getting. And then Rui Diaz.
0: <laughs> and uh, speaking, as we mentioned, the Seattle Death Star in MLS, one name we haven't mentioned was their free agent signing from Real Salt Lake and perhaps the biggest free agent signing in the history of the league was Albert Rusnak. We didn't mention him, but he was crucially important to what they did. At the beginning, we talk about how everybody was hyped up. Big crowd, six over 68,000 in Lumen Field, showed up on a weeknight for this game. Kudos to the city of Seattle and environs. Uh, but Rusnak, everybody's hyped up and he's calming them down. Now, a lot of the play went through him. Uh, he hasn't had the greatest start to his career in Seattle this, so far this season. He really was the linchpin of
1: their ability to win this match in this game. Yeah, and I mean, also shouldn't go unstated. Um, we speculated that this was going to be the the most attended CCO final, and it was. Um, I think that this was capacity for lumen field in its soccer configuration i think if they wanted any more people they would have had to do expanded seattle seahawks configuration (laughs) hey Marshawn lynch they did open that up in game yeah
2: (laughs) they they (laughs) did open that up they they sold out the the lower bowl for the seahawks for the sounders and then opened up the upper
1: tier to sell more tickets that's why it was so well attended i I think that I think i I'm not a hundred percent on this, but I think that there are some really high seats that they sell only for Seahawks games that have obstructed views that did not sell out that they didn't open I but mean, I might be confused on that could be it could be also the wider pitch limits of seating. There's a higher capacity
0: in the stadium, but we don't know if that's for just Seahawks games or for sounders as well no it doesn't matter. Between that and the crowds in Mexico City for Pumas, there's big crowds for both of these games. And Seattle performed very well in front of those crowds. Coming back from 2-0 at the very end of the game in Mexico tells you everything you need to know about this team. To bring that level, they still would have won on aggregate, but is it the same if they don't make it a draw in Mexico City coming home? Tell you a lot of, I guess the big question, that's the background of the game. Probably you all know that. The big question is, what does this mean for MLS overall in its, you know, contrived, or not contrived, uh, competition straight up
1: with Liga Emekis? Well, that's, uh, (laughs) it's pretty difficult, right? Because it just is, just as much as you can say this is a foundational win this could easily shape the thing, the way of things to come. You could just as much say, it's a flash in the pan, it's one-off. It is a
0: one-off, though it's an important one-off because it allows MLS teams to know that they can win this league, and that's a big step. Yeah,
2: definitely. Um, this this one win, even if, you know, League Amekis comes back and wins next year's CCL, uh, it shows the rest of the league, hey, This is possible. We can, in fact, win in the CCL. We can beat Liga Emeki's teams in trophy games. It's possible. They're not an absolute juggernaut anymore. It shows a chink in the armor. And the fact that, you know, it was Sounders that did it is just poetic, honestly. Uh,
0: One big takeaway is uh, Garth Lagerway, the esteemed sporting director at Seattle. I think his title is actually president of soccer operations he talked about how Seattle was actually on a spending level with Pumas. Now, you can't say the same, and one thing Seattle had is Cruz Azul is the only one of the big boys that made it to this tournament. Club America, Monterrey, uh, Chivas, uh, you go down the list, they weren't there. Uh, that doesn't take any way from the Sounders, because the Sounders went undefeated through the entire tournament. They were the class of the tournament. The other thing that you could take away from this is, even though they didn't make it to the finals, they lost to the Sounders in the semifinals and gave them a big scare. I honestly, looking back at it, NYCFC was the second best team in this tournament.
1: Especially considering how dramatically Cruz Azul underperformed.
0: And how much NYCFC scared the hell out of uh, Seattle in the second leg of their semifinal match. Uh I myself got onto a Twitter spaces with Alexi lawless uh, yesterday and asked him about the dynamic and how this changes it between MLS and Liam Mackey's. And, uh, if you don't know, Twitter spaces is sort of a live form thing. Alexi does it all the time. He basically uses his Colin show.
1: It, they, they've, they, they've reinvented chat rooms, but
0: <laughs> yeah, with actual chat, uh, but, uh, I did get on and asked him about what, how this changes things. And he, it's a big step, but Liga MX is going to double back down. You know, this is going to hurt them. They're going to come back and really go after winning these games. You've got the leagues cup upcoming next year, which is full on taking a whole month out of the season to play every get MLS against all the M- Liga MX teams, uh, and the spending disparity that there is between Liga MX and and MLS. Pumas is one of those teams that, you know, a team like Seattle that does it right, knows how to work the cap, can get on a spending level with them. They can't compete against Monterey and Club America. Or and even so, Cruz Azul. Yeah. Uh, so you've got that going on, and they're going to double down. So... What it really, hopefully, and we both were talking about this, hopefully the owners don't look at this and go, oh, our roster build and our spending plan is working. So let's keep going because it's going to, they're going to be embarrassed yeah. all the time.
1: But also let's acknowledge that they very, very easily could say, look, it works. We won CCL against Liga and Becky's. And, uh, oh, buddy, I got to tell you, you're really looking at it the wrong way if that's your takeaway. (laughs) Uh,
0: Alexi and I agree. We both really want to be in those owner meetings because the nouveau riche owners coming in want to, you know, loosen the reins and do it. And the old style owners are going, oh, you guys are in it now. You weren't there in the bad old days when we lost money everywhere. There's a very viable uh, argument to that. the, The new guys. They're pouring in $285 million in expansion fees alone. And a requirement now is you have to get your own stadium built, which more and more is becoming publicly financed. So a lot of these owners are coming in with half a million to three quarters of a billion, uh, half a billion to three quarters of a billion dollars in outlay before they ever get to play. Man, I don't, don't think MLS was big enough to accumulate those sort of debts in the beginning and the numbers i did raise the question didn't have an answer uh you know will they expand past 32 and how does that change uh the political structure in the boardroom at mls if more nouveau riche owners come in does that change the voting to where there's changes but one thing that definitely needs to be done i don't think there needs to be unfettered spending but the structure with the buckets is on a creaky foundation It has to be completely reworked. And there doesn't seem to be any impetus within the MLS structure itself to do that. But we'll see what happens in Leagues Cup and CCL going forward when Liga Emekis decides to pull the second hand forward and really starts, you know, uh,
1: smoking us, so to speak. But what is this, the third, fourth episode in a row we've had to talk about MLS spending rules? Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) it it, it's it's just not working. It's just not working.
0: But there's a lot of power in those old owners and they they're loosening up. I mean, when you got New England and D.C. United and and FC Dallas, and those are some of the owners that have historically been nixing this spending, going out and spending in this offseason to bring players in. There could be possibly the thought that there's a sea change,
1: but I'm not so sure myself. Well, and then, I mean, like, you look at the the other big four, right? MLB, the luxury tax does not work. Because if you are wealthy enough, you just don't care. Look at the Yankees, look at the Dodgers. They say, okay, yeah, we'll pay that fine. And we will win however many World Series in a row. I don't care. Uh. You look at the NHL, where Gary Bettman has just completely tanked the league and is not doing anything right except for busting up players' rights. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, there's not a lot of examples to, to go off of here. There, uh,
0: the luxury tax in baseball did work for a while. Uh, the Yankees and Red Sox got tired of spending the extra, but once the Dodgers started dropping the money, well, those big guys were going to have to keep up with them. That's the problem with the luxury tax. It's not, you know, it really comes down to individual owners and how are they going to act. And MLS, to its credit and to its detriment, is keeping from a hand a couple of owners, you know, blowing the whole league out of the water, like happened in the old NASL in the late 70s and 80s. Uh, On the other hand, it's overly constricting. And now they want to be the best league. They want to do this competition with Liga Amekis, are they really wanting to compete? Or are they really fighting to see that this structure of holding back revenue towards players and spending on the teams is really viable and works? And sometimes I wonder if there's quite a few of them that just want to do that rather than win.
1: Well, because I, like like you said a couple of times, winning isn't necessarily the most profitable move. Yeah. It's amazing that Seattle's
0: been with these salary caps to hold on. I mean, look at who they've held on to. They've got Ruiz Diaz and uh, Ladero as DPs. They dropped Job Paulo, brought him in a TAM, so they get Rusnak. But then they got Jordan Morris. They got Christian Roldan. They've got Ariaga. They got Yamar. They got all these players that had a chance to leave this year for brighter pastures or greener ones, let's say, you know, as in the green. No, they stayed because they got a chance to win big trophies, and they did. Anything else about this uh CCL or the MLS Liga dynamics that you guys have to, to say? Uh
2: I will say this. Um if Liga Mekis does end up clapping back with that other left hook finally um I think we'll see a bit more more willingness to change from the owners and allow a little bit more spending. Um, I don't expect unfettered spending, but I fully expect to raise the maximum salary per player. You can get um, increase the amount of allocation money you have while decreasing the number of ways that you have it. So you just have allocation money and then you have your owner's money and that's the only two, two buckets you have. And we might see an increase in, in the ceiling, but it's going to take Liga Mechies absolutely mopping the floor with us for a few years before they actually go go through with it.
0: Yeah, the expansion of the League Cup makes you think that this was discussed in that boardroom. Because to think that you can just go ahead and do this and take a month out of your season to do this competition and not think that you're going to be exposed to a long-form tournament style against suspending I mean, who thinks like that? One might say, you know, billionaires that buy sports franchise franchises might be the very type of people that think that way. Cronky. Cronky. Uh, Sorry, I have, a, I have a I
2: like have <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yes. I mean, I don't know. Uh yeah, because I I think it's it's like we've all talked about here. Um I think that a lot of a lot of owners will see this as the system current as it currently is working until Liga Meki smacks us in the mouth again. And quite frankly, good, because the system isn't working. Yep, they
0: learn. But I think we've uh, beat this drum to death. We will do it again in the future.
1: Yeah, uh, reminds <laughs> me
0: there is another thing I want to beat the drum about uh, that's been on Twitter. And it goes back to St. Louis City. I forgot to mention this earlier. Just drop it in right now. When they set this up, there needs to be things for the history of soccer in St. Louis where the fans congregate, not just in a tucked away room for the Hall of Fame. If nothing else, paint the names of the clubs that won, like uh, U.S. Open Cups, and the names of all the players from history. Paint them on at least the top of the wall around the concourse and the tunnels and entrance areas so that you're shining on the history of st louis i think it's something that ml st louis has that's special and they should do that and that's all i got to say and now we can run into a little bit of mls roundup we'll make this quick because we take a lot of time you know what uh sean
2: where you want to start with this well, I think this week I'm going to make it instead of MLS Roundup, we're going to call it MLS Blitz, and I'm just going to speed through this and give you the quick hits as best I can. But we're going to start out with a very surprising result up in New York City. We had NYCFC against Sporting KC. Surprise, surprise. That's the first game we talk about. But uh, it was I'm going to start out with the weekly SKC injury update because we get to add Graham Zusi to the list with a thigh injury which then puts Ugh. youngster Cam Duke out of position playing at right back. That's right. He went from attacking right mid to right back this week. Um that means the back line that they <laughs> ran out
1: punished SKC.
2: <laughs> the back line they ran out this week against uh NYCFC, they had three guys under the age that were 23 or under and then they had one guy that was 26 and of those players, only one of them was actually even on SKC's books last year. And that was Cam Duke. This line, I, I saw that going out and I was like, there's no way we're going to even come close to doing anything with this game. So a point would be a miracle. We somehow come out of it nil-nil. And uh, I think that uh, the large part that is thanks to the back line doing their job and grinding out an absolute fantabulous result. Uh, but it's also due to Pylon Shelton. Yes, that is what I'm calling him now, is Pylon Shelton keeping us off the score sheet because he cannot score. A couple of thoughts on this. Number
0: one, uh, going back to MLS against Liga MX spending, you have a long run in CCL and MLS. You don't have the depth and you're seeing it from NYCFC and even from the Sounders. It's really hard to compete on both levels.
1: Yeah, the Sounders have really kind of underperformed in league play.
0: The other thing is Man, many pundits have been beating on Peter Vermees for years, like, play the kids, play the kids.
2: Well, fate's told him he has no choice.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, no,
2: I have I was beating on him earlier this season about it, too. I was beating on him about it when he wasn't playing Busio as much as he should have. And look where we are now. Now he has to, and all of a sudden, hey, we've tied three games in a row. Maybe we can win three in a row now. That that might just be a pipe dream, but but we'll see. Yeah, the next game, let's go ahead and skip uh, to uh,
0: what happened in Atlanta, because it has uh, consequences across the league and for the national team.
2: Oh, no. Oh, not this game. So I'll start out by saying the good news. The good news is Atlanta finally finds their offense. They won 4-1 against the fire, which, if you're Tio Luis, I'm so sorry. This is not good news for you in any way, shape, or form. Um, The fire then dropped down to the bottom of the table. But the bad, bad news that's bad for everyone is the giant green monster that is artificial turf strikes again and takes out Miles Robinson with a season year ending injury with a ruptured Achilles. Guess that's out. Folks, he's out of the World Cup. Guess what, folks? We're talking about grass again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or not grass. The turf at Lumen Field took out Joe Paulo the turf at Mercedes-Benz has robbed us of MROB. Yeah. Uh it's time for to get rid of turf and it's all MLS NFL you know switching stadiums except yeah. in Portland. But yeah, it's just it's just time to get rid of it.
1: I mean okay, there's there's obviously a lot of calls for discarding of artificial turf which I fully agree with. But we we need to be very realistic here when we are talking about shared stadiums, who quite honestly, like tell me honestly, who do you think is going to win out in the debate between an MLS team and an NFL team about which surface they're going to play on? Tell me honestly, honestly, at this point, it's NFL, but but I have caveat here. If
2: we can somehow defy the soccer gods and bring home the world's greatest trophy in sports that's not named after someone named Stanley, we might have a bit of a leveraging point here. Because that's not just bringing attention to our country. It's bringing attention to our league on an international stage that even the NFL playing in London hasn't done.
0: There are rumors also to get the World Cup in Seattle, which probably needs to be there. They'll change out the grass. They'll have to by FIFA regulations, won't they? I believe so. That's the talk, but how that changes in the U.S. with billionaires and big stadiums and
1: money coming into FIFA's coffers from ticket sales, we'll see. And before what I said gets misconstrued, I want to be very clear here. I do not like the NFL, and I do not think that they should have a monopoly on this. But i just gonna win. Yes, I'm I'm simply at like I'm I'm saying let's look at this honestly and who is going to win that argument, and you know it's going to be the NFL team every time. Uh money generally has the last word. Yeah. The plastic pitches are less harsh on NFL players than they are on MLS players. The NFL teams generate more revenue, and it's it's the NFL. <laughs> uh moving on, uh you know, I talked about
0: NYCFC and the CCL hangover. How did the Sounders do after their
2: big win? Oh, the Sounders went out and played the the absolute not. I don't. I, I don't want to say bottom of the barrel, but they played all their bench guys. They did not start. I think they started maybe two of their normal guys, and even then, they were guys that you know go back and forth between bench and starting against FC Dallas. And Dallas comes out and wins two nil. Um, originally I thought don't look too much into it because Seattle didn't start all their starters you know they had that hangover but you know they'll take the drop of three points because they got the big trophy in the CCL um, but looking at it a little deeper you have to realize that even without Der Zug, the Jesus and Paul show is still showing full steam ahead for FC Dallas and that is one good thing that we could look forward to in the U.S. men's national team because those two playing together well at club I just can't wait for it to transfer to country it's going to be amazing
1: yeah uh good train pun by the way really appreciated that (laughs) um yeah i'm a train guy Um, it's what i do (laughs) you're not the train guy i'm the train guy (laughs) you're the train guy but i also like trains (laughs) anyway um yeah uh fc dallas is rolling um I get Next week is going to be when we really start to see what the Sounders can do in league play because they have obviously underperformed in pursuit of CCL. Now that they've won, let's see what happens. Without Our, Paolo. Yeah, without Jao Paulo, which is going to be tough. But let's see how they storm back. Let's see how they do. Because NYCFC came back pretty well after they dropped out of the tournament and they were underperforming when they were still competing in there. So
0: they get a little break because they're not in the east, because there's a couple of teams playing extremely well that one doesn't expect. And right now, one of those is FC Cincinnati.
2: Oh Cincy is on an absolute tear right now. They they are just they're playing well. They had two games this week. They won both of them. First off, they beat Toronto 2-0 in Cincy, and then they went up to Minnesota and beat them 1-0. Uh, they're, they're just firing on all cylinders. They're only three points out of first place in the East. This is the team that for the last few years has been guaranteed the wooden spoon is now fighting for top spot in the Eastern Conference. What is the MLS?
0: It's both maddening and exciting because one of the teams that's just as hot as them has its name as Club de Foot. <laughs>
2: oh, CF Montreal. You well, we can't
1: be too harsh on Montreal. They are in Quebec.
2: <laughs> that's why we're harsh on Montreal. It's because they're in, <laughs> in Quebec. But no, they're doing just as well. They have one less game played. They have one more point than Cincinnati. And they absolutely put on a clinic against Orlando this weekend. Georgie Mihailovic putting in his name in that hat, like, call me into camp this summer for the Nations League. I want in this roster. I would love to see him. But CFM has been looking absolutely dangerous and lethal the last few weeks. And I love to see it. Joaquin Torres partnering with Georgie in that middle is just it's a it's a joy to watch, honestly.
0: And uh, not really going to go over the game, but just keep in nine keep in mind the name Taxi Fontos at DC United. Keep an eye on him. I
2: think he's going to be good for the (laughs) rest of the season. (laughs) Re up on Taxi Squad, (laughs) as if he hasn't uh, already shown himself as being that you know being pretty good. But that's
0: another discussion. And before we close out our bit on MLS, uh, something that needs to be pointed out. Uh, Sean, you've got a little issue with the way MLS Video is uh, handling certain parts of their recap of the week. Oh, What's going on with that?
2: Oh my goodness. Okay, so let me preface this by saying, Mason, get ready with the bleep button. You're going to need it probably only once. But first of all, (laughs) MLS video team slash YouTube team, whoever's running that YouTube channel, you need to get your shit together. Just get it together, put it in a backpack so you have it all together. This This is the second week in a row that you've put up your every goal of the week in MLS video, and you missed an entire game. Granted, last week, it was... Forgivable, I guess, because it was only one goal, but it was RSL beating the LA Galaxy. That's a goal I want to see every time it happens because I love watching the Galaxy fall. But this week, this week is inexcusable. It is the second week in a row, first point. Second of all, the game you missed was Atlanta versus it was the Atlanta game where it was four to one. You missed that game entirely. Ronaldo Cisneros gets a hat trick in the game. And you missed this game. You even had the highlight video for this game up before you even, I guarantee before you even started editing that every goal of the week video. You had the footage. You had the footage. Put it in. It's not that hard, I'm sure. Well, I mean, there's minutia there, but you had the footage. You could have done it. But the worst part. The worst part of this whole thing is not only did you miss this game, you used Cisneros as the thumbnail for your goal of every goal video and didn't put his goals in the video. MLS, get your s*** together. I am... Fully expecting to get backlash from this, and I, I, I'm expecting MLS <laughs> to cancel me and not let me go to another game. But I'm going to show up anyway. I can change my appearance <laughs> like that.
1: I can shape shift.
2: <laughs> you don't know where I live. I live in a cave. <laughs>
1: He's a skinwalker. <laughs> Rant <Yeah>. over. <laughs> Officially, Sean Campbell, late of this parish. Um. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let me just nail uh. my 32 theses. <laughs> To the door of the MLS. (laughs) Nail it to the YouTube Uh, channel. But, I mean, like, you have a point. Like, (laughs) they're not putting up every with an asterisk goal. It's every goal. And, like, to miss miss five goals, including a hat trick, that's pretty bold. (laughs) And then promote the hat trick.
2: Yeah, Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, I got to share your wrath on that one. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you for letting me rant. I needed to I needed to rant this out <laughs> and put it into the into the universe. And lovely listeners, uh, we are
0: very impressed by your perseverance if you're still with us this deep into the show. Uh it's been a long one, so we'll wrap it up. I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer Mason. And I'm your enraged cave dwelling hooligan, Sean.
1: <laughs> and we
0: are the Soccer Capital Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye for
1: now.